1: This station is not responsible for the problems that Mark may cause for the following. Wifes, mothers, daughters, ex-wives, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, stepmothers, daughters, and in-laws. If you find yourself agreeing with everything Mark says, please seek professional help.
0: Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark.
2: Well,
3: good morning, everybody. It's 10 o'clock, actually. It's four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. And uh, for the next couple hours, we're going to talk about car, car repair, new cars, old cars, technology, just about anything that your uh, heart desires, we can help you out all you have to do is give us a call, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. As, as, I, as I get older and older and older, I find out stuff that um, is just um, amazing to me. And let me, uh, let me tell you a story. The story goes like this. A lady is driving her 2015 car down the freeway, and I guess the freeway is six, seven, eight lanes wide, and as traffic comes to a slowdown, all the lanes, then she's rear-ended by somebody, and it changes her speed by about 20 miles an hour, so if, let's pretend she was doing 10, and as they hit her from the back, she went to 30, just kind of round figures, okay, so... It's kind of a hard hit, but not bad. And so she's, her car's, you know, stopped right there. And the entertainment system where you can call for help, it comes on and it's talking to her. And there is a conversation that's taped. And they're asking her if she's okay. They said, we see that, you know, you've had a crash. And so they're talking to her, talking to her. For three and a half minutes, they're talking to her. But one of the things that she's complaining about is your car won't start it won't start it won't start it won't start today. We know it 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 wasn't really that it wouldn't start it wouldn't crank over it wouldn't go rrr like that so during this three and a half minutes, she's in the car. she's frantic. I understand I haven't heard the tape. she's frantic and she want, the car won't start and she wants them to help her and then a limousine doing about 70 miles an hour creams her and kills her. So what we find out is, is that this particular automobile has an explosive device, a pyrotechnic, they call it, on the positive battery cable. And when the car is involved in a wreck, the car will, the, when the computer sees airbag deployments and some of this other stuff, it will disable the uh, electrical system. Now, clearly it doesn't disable all the electrical system because she's able to talk to the people in the cloud. She's able to talk to help. So then the problem becomes the safety device (laughs) took away her ability to start her car and pull off to the side of the road. Which probably would have eliminated the limo bearing the the limo driver burying the limo in the back of her car, and he was doing 70 miles an hour when he hit her. So it's kind of an un, unintended consequence. On one hand, the idea of killing the engine, killing the fuel pump, um, and taking away a lot of the electrical system, because this this car's computers saw this happened and it has a command where it says blow up this little fire pyrotechnic we're we we going to sever the positive battery cable and so we're not going to let that happen but there's still another circuit for her to be able to talk to the people on the uh on the entertainment system so now everybody's wondering how good of an idea this is up until that point i think most all of us in the in the mechanical field and in the accident reconstructionist field. I thought we thought that would kind of be good. Obviously if we take if you if you get rear ended and your fuel pump is still running and your gasoline tank is compromised, we're gonna have thirty, forty, fifty pounds of fuel being sprayed all over where it hits the exhaust, catches the car on fire, and now you're in really deep trouble. So on that side of the coin, it's a good thing. But this is an unintended consequence that I don't know if anybody thought about. And so, as I've talked with other other experts that I respect about this particular situation and repair shops that work on this kind of car, you, you say to yourself, we're all saying to ourselves, wow, we never thought this would have been it. And quite honestly, I think that the car makers did the same thing. Now, as a former policeman, and talking to a lot of former policemen, we all understand that when you have a traffic accident... As long as someone's not seriously hurt, it's a good idea to get the cars off the road. You see that every morning here in Phoenix. You see every morning where they have an accident, they've pulled them off to the right or pulled them into the center median or they've blocked the HOV lane with the car crashes. They do that. They do that to effectively move traffic and to take the people out of peril. So you'll see the two cars in the HOV lane, you'll see policemen behind them, um, protecting them, and uh, you might see three, four, or five police cars behind them. But the problem is is that when you blow that positive cable off the battery, then you eliminate the police from moving that car and you em- eliminate the driver from moving that car. And in this situation, no one will ever know, but I think common sense says that if the limo hitter in the back end at 70 miles an hour probably did a lot of damage but there's nothing to suggest that she couldn't have started it up and driven it off to the side of the road. Now, there's always a possibility that he hit her in the back and he compromised the fuel tank, and so when she turns the key on, then we're we're spraying fuel all over everywhere. That's a possibility. But frankly, many of us have not seen that happen. Many of us haven't seen that. And we used to have what we called an inertia switch in some of the Fords. And the inertia switch was in the back of the car on the driver's side, and when the car hits something, even hit a curb, then the inertia switch would kick off the ignition system and the car would die. And that was in the Fords in the nineties I think for maybe three or four years at the most. And the problem with that was is <laughs> you could uh, you could walk along the car at night Uh, in a movie theater or wherever, and you could take your fist and you could hit hard the left rear corner of the car and you could trip the switch, which would mean that the person would never get the car running. So if you decided to be devious, you could do that. And I'm not going to tell you where you have to hit but there's a there's a sweet spot you hit so you can, and you don't dent the metal so don't go out there and start beating up everybody's cars because the idea is is that you don't have to know kind of where the sweet spot is. So we're all kind of thinking about this and if you have a comment on that then you can make it six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty but there's two sides of the issue we're trying to protect our customer we're trying to protect the driver from a fuel leak or an electrical malfunction that causes an electrical fire or a fuel fire. We're trying to protect them. On the other hand, we're taking away the driver's ability to get out of harm's way and the police department's ability to move the car. So we have to kind of balance those two things together. Let me tell you a story about an inertia switch. This guy's getting off the freeway and um, he He says that he has the stereo up so loud that the inertia switch turned off his engine. And so he couldn't make a proper right turn, but he kind of made a a right angle, and he went up over the median, and there was this poor person, um, unfortunate person I should say, holding a sign that says, you know, I'm a vet or I need money or I need gas money or whatever, and he kills him. So the issue then becomes... um, this is an unusual circumstance. He says his stereo killed the engine that prevented him from making a hard right turn and then of course because he couldn't make the right turn he tried to make it and he got it halfway through. He went, you know, he was going to make a right and go eastbound and uh he ran over the person in the center median. So, we took the car. <laughs> this is a true story. We took the car over to a stereo shop and we asked him to find the biggest, baddest stereo system. He could find. And we asked him, we said, if you can get the car there, we're going to park our car next to your car. And then we want you to rattle the windows on the car that was involved in the crash. Rattle the windows. Now, in addition to that, we took these inertia switches and we mounted them on a variety of metal items and we circled the car and so they they gave us a Hummer who somebody had spent tens of thousands of dollars to build this monster stereo system that could literally blow the windows out of the Hummer so we parked everything there and we had all these inertia switches all around the Hummer we had the car next to there and our intention was is to turn the stereo up until we broke a window or until you know we just couldn't stand it anymore we all had headphones or earmuffs on and stuff (laughs) and So we turn the stereo up, and you can see the windows shaking in buildings. You can see the windows shaking in the cars. You can see things dancing along the desks of the guys at the stereo shop. I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal thing. And it never tripped a single inertia switch that we had set up. It never. So the fact that we were thumping and bumping this big stereo system with big, huge bass speakers and stuff kind of... Eliminated the idea that the inertia switch tripped and caused his uh, caused he, his inability to make a, a sharp right turn. Um, never mind that that uh, there was drugs and, and alcohol involved. <laughs> never mind that, but it was an interesting defense with respect to this my car. And that's kind of the world I live in. Um, that's I, I either prove or disprove those kinds of things. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty, and I got some emails, and one of the emails just recently was: "Is how do you jumpstart a diesel vehicle?" And the reason why that question is being asked is this: a diesel vehicle typically has two batteries, especially the trucks, and uh, you, the question then becomes: "Is how do I jump start two and bring a dead diesel vehicle alive, or how can I jump start from my diesel vehicle to my car?" and jumpstart my car. And the answer is, is nothing has changed. Positive to positive, red to positive, black to negative, And you're only going to use one of the two batteries in the diesel. And here's why. Because the batteries are hooked in series. Otherwise, the positive cable of battery number one goes to the positive cable of battery number two. And then from battery number two, everything else spreads out. So we have two two. Two, um, Actually, it's called in parallel, I think. <laughs> we have got two batteries, positive to positive and negative to negative. So you can jumpstart from either battery you want. And as a result of that, it makes no difference. But just remember, red is positive, black is negative. But you have to look at the terminals to determine which ones they are. And usually it will have a positive number next to the positive terminal and then a, a negative bar next to the negative terminal. But when you're jumpstarting to or from a diesel vehicle, the procedure is exactly the same 6025080960 we'll be back right after this we could celebrate
0: the haters of the week we respect our listeners, so much so, we want this station to be your voice. The
4: content, it's above board, and, and I love it.
2: Patriot is where I stop for my news. As a veteran of
5: this country. I want to say that you are the most honorable, factual, and meaningful
6: jewel in the state of Arizona. I'm so glad you're on the air now.
0: We don't talk at you, but with you. Hashtag I'm with the Patriot and 960thepatriot.com.
7: Hello. And I wrote this message.
5: You need a plan as you get closer to retirement, a plan that will take you from where you are now to the retirement you've always dreamed about. The first step on that path is to tune in to Retire Financially Fit with Phyllis every Saturday morning at 8. Your host is Phyllis Sax Pilvinas. She's the founder of PSP and Associates. You only retire once, but Phyllis helps people retire every day. Don't miss Retire Financially Fit with Phyllis every Saturday morning at 8 on 960 The Patriot.
8: Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at everything we thought we knew about landing a great job. For instance, what if phenomenal careers start at the middle school science fair instead of at the job fair? If being the captain of the robotics team means just as much on a college application as being captain of the football team? And if knowing the quadratic formula is every bit as important as knowing the right people. Well, the fact is, the jobs of the future will be heavily geared towards science, technology, engineering, and math. In other words, the future is STEM. More opportunities, better pay. And the road to these great jobs starts as early as middle school. So if you're a student, talk to your school counselor about STEM. If you're a parent, talk to your kids. Because the job you'll get in the future may very well depend on what you do today. A public service message from America's Navy.
6: Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. Every child deserves to have access to books because children who grow up with books invariably do better in life than children who do not. Because the end, the endings of books, if it's really, really well done, that ending, that last thought, should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
3: Well, welcome back, everybody. Twenty-one minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, my name is Mark Salem, and if uh, you'd like to join us and join the conversation, or if you have a car question, if you have a car dilemma, if you've been told you need some specific repairs and you want to talk about that, um, you're welcome to give us a call, 602-508-0960. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by IMM Auto Service. They've been fixing cars in Tempe since 1972, and David, the owner, and I have been friends since then. IMM is really good at prioritizing your work, which means they're not going to try to sell you and flush your wallet every time you come in. They're going to give you a to-the-penny estimate that includes tax. They're only going to do the authorized work and the work necessary to fix the symptom you brought it in for. Nothing more, nothing less. He has ASE master technicians that work on domestic and imports, but they specialize in Swedish, Italian, and Asian vehicles, which includes... Volvo's, Saab's, Fiats, and Alfa Romeo's. So if you have one of those cars, everybody can change the oil, but when it gets down to heavy-duty diagnosis for drivability, no start conditions, engine misses, um, you'll probably need IMM Auto Service to really track it down the most efficient way. Again, IMM Auto Service in the northeast corner of Tempe, just south of the 202, and just um, west of the 101. Mike, good morning to you. How can I help you?
4: Hey, Mark. How are you? Good, good, thank you. Yeah, I have a 06 uh, Kia Spectra. It's got about 100,000 miles on it. And I know you always do a 1 to 10. I'm thinking of changing the back brakes. Is that something I can do?
3: Have you ever hearing, done before?
4: I've done the front. Yeah, I've done on other vehicles. But I'm hearing like a okay. little squeaking in the back, like maybe it's the indicator.
6: Okay. Um,
4: I have
3: I have go ahead. Um it the indicator is going to be on light braking and you should be able to pedal right through it. So if, yeah. if on on normal braking you get the but then on heavy braking it goes away then I would agree with you that the squeaker's probably dragging.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of just doing it myself. I know my um I don't know if we should have to replace the drum or the discs when you do that or
3: well, there's there's a lot of, of of opinions on that. If you don't have a pedal that um, pulsates, and when you apply the brake at 50, 60 miles an hour, there's no vibration that's generated throughout the car.
2: No. Not and if none,
3: if the rear rotors aren't grooved, and they might have a slice a slight record player kind of look to them that you can mm-hmm. barely feel with your fingernails then a pad slap might be what you want. Have, is, is this the original brakes on this 100,000-mile Kia? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. here's the problem you're going to have. You're going to have to collapse the piston in order to get the new fat pads back into the caliper. Right, right. And and, and in the front ones, you probably used a big C-clamp, and you just pushed the piston back in. But on right. the back ones, you're probably going to have to wind those pistons back in and I know that old gray-haired guys like me are going to use a pair of needle-nose pliers and a screwdriver through the jaws, and we're just going to wind that thing in. Uh-huh. But if you take it off and you can't wind it back in, then you probably ought to quit there and not tear up the caliper. And then okay. just take your take your car in and have somebody swap the pads for you. A lot of us won't swap pads and that's all. Um, we, we'd like to put a dial indicator on the rotor and see if it's warped. And we'd also like to look at the minimum maximum thickness. Right. And if it's close to the minimum thickness, it won't do another 100,000 miles. So w- we want to yeah. tell you that. But if it's okay. really if it's really close to maximum thickness then and we've got a 3 or four thousandths warp in it, then we'd go ahead and take what we call a finished cut on it and mm-hmm. remove very little metal but straighten it up and put it right back on. Well, I'll well, tell you, minus your pads, um, okay. your rear axle brakes is going to be give or take um, fifty bucks. It's going to be right around two hundred, and that's okay. pads and labor and machining of the rotors is about two hundred plus or minus fifty bucks.
4: Okay, so that's not a big deal then. I was thinking no, maybe I, even I, just buying the buying the rotors, you know, from AutoZone or whatever, because they're pretty cheap from what I heard.
3: Well, um, you know, I I I. I Ironically, I went into to one of the auto parts stores yesterday um, mm-hmm. for a big plastic thermostat housing on a little Ford V6, and I was surprised to find that that thermostat housing um, was sold for 136 mm-hmm. which is a big amount of money over what I'm buying it for, and it's pretty doggone close what I sell it for. Uh, okay. Pretty doggone close what I sell it for. So, mm-hmm. So I was surprised by that. I was yeah. surprised by that. However, you know, I, I don't really spend my life comparing prices from those guys and mine. I, yeah. I'll tell you that if it came in a box that was from Bendix or a Wagner or um, some of the other major brake companies, I wouldn't have any problems with it. But if it came in a place, plain white box, mm. um, yeah. I, I'd probably ask to step it up one notch in quality. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, real
4: quick on that caliber, is that caliber just corkscrew in like a regular uh screw? Like
0: righty, yeah. tighty, lefty, um, loosey?
3: That that's normally yes, the answer is yes. And but okay. there's also gonna be some slots in the caliper that match the buttons or a or a groove in your back pad. Right. And right. and that pad is gonna hold that caliper steady or may, not let it walk. Right. And oftentimes it will let it move. So you have to make sure that you, when you take that back pad off, the inner pad on one of the sides on the rears, just mm-hmm. look how it's clocked on the piston, and make, make sure you mark. end up there.
4: Make a mark or something. Yeah, yeah.
3: but yeah, right. what I do is, is I just take a center punch and, you know, the 12 o'clock one. I turn the caliper over and, you know, the the pistons at 12 o'clock, and I just tap the uh, the piston and put a little center punch mark on it, and then I know where it's at.
4: Okay, sounds great,
3: Mark. Okay, good luck. All right, right, man, you. You bet. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. There's another shop in town I'd like Okay, hang hang on, Mike. The mic number two will be right with you. There's another shop in town I want to tell you about, and I'm really proud of Larry Harker's Auto. It's at uh, 38th Avenue in Indian School. It's been around since 1967. But Bob, the guy who runs the shop and owns the shop, his wife actually, he works for his wife, Ellen, who runs the front counter, But Bob is one of the best diagnosticians that I've ever met. So if you have one of those cars and you say, I've had it to three or four different places and nobody can find it or fix it, then I would suggest that you call Larry Harker's Auto and check in with them. Not too long ago, they fixed a Dodge truck nobody else could fix. And that's pretty impressive, especially when you have this problem. I'll give you another example. There was not too long ago where this diesel truck was there, and it had been to three or four other shops, and everybody had done a bunch of work totaling $2,000 or so. And Bob found that there was a hole in the top of the piston. And it was a diesel truck, and it was a Ford, and it was a six liter, but the injector had stuck wide open and blown a hole in the piston. There was no fix in that truck by putting on a, a fic on a Ford ignition module. Um, there was no no fix in that truck by putting a new injector on it for eight hundred dollars, like somebody else said that they would fix it. There was a lot of trying to fix it, but nobody really understood how important it was to drop a camera down the injector or yeah in the injector hole and look down there, and then you can see this huge hole in the piston, and of course that motor's motor's Never going to be a good motor again. So, Larry Harker's Auto, 38th Avenue Indian School, a good place to go. Mike, I know you're there, but I'm up against a break, so I'm going to ask you to, to hold. And we're going to be back to you in about three minutes. So if you want to go grab something to eat or you want to go mow the grass, then you can do that. The rest of you, 602 508 0960. 602 508 0960. My name's Mark Salem. We're here every Saturday from 10 to noon, right here on KKNT, and we're here to help you out with your car problems and your car questions. We'll be back.
9: Now you have a friend at Thunderbird Automotive, and his name is Tom Fletcher.
10: Everyone knows it's hard to stop a train, but even the best equipment available still has wear and tear parts, and let's face it, this is Phoenix. Mike Aliyah here again from Benefit Air to tell you that when you buy a top quality train system from us for a residential application, not only do you get a warranty of at least 10 years on the parts, we also include an extended 10-year labor warranty that includes refrigerant, parts exchanges, and free on recovery with no copays or deductibles. Most companies offer a standard two-year labor warranty and may not cover refrigerant diagnostics or parts exchanges, and after two years. Years, you may be on the hook for thousands if a compressor or coil fails. At Benefit, our goal in selling you the best train equipment is to ensure your peace of mind in knowing that should something go wrong, you're covered. Just call us and we'll come fix the problem. Call Benefit today to see how we can provide you with the best trained system with a hassle-free 10-year warranty that will leave you feeling comfortable and secure. 602-840-9229. That's 602-840-9229. Or find us on the web at BenefitAir.com. Experience the benefit of choosing Benefit Air.
1: one more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because pre-diabetes can be reversed.
9: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
3: Well, thank you for holding through the break. My name is Mark Salem, and we're talking car and car repair. The name of this show is Under the Hood. My name is Mark Salem, and my email address is mark with a k at marksalem.com. dot com. Mike, like we promised, we're coming right to you. How can I help you?
4: Well, I've got the wife mowing the lawn, so I'm glad I waited. She's doing a good job out there too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, we're getting, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead.
3: No, no, I'm not touching that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're uh, in the process of inheriting a uh, a 1992 Plymouth Voyager, and it hasn't ran. I want to say probably since 2005. It's just been sitting. And the wife wants to see to get it up and running. And I told her, well, it's all going to variable on every fluid known to man, and it's going to need to probably be drained and refilled, and the fuel system and everything probably needs to be done just to get it running. Um, how much, just ballpark figure, is she looking at if we take it down to someplace and have them get it up and running and change all those fluids?
3: Well, I don't agree that you change all the fluids. Um, okay. I think I think I, I want to just kind of refocus you in this. I want it to start, run, and stop. Okay, those are the three things you want right now. So obviously the battery is going to probably have to be addressed one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So we need to get it cranked over. It's easy to just suck all the old fuel out, put in five gallons of fresh fuel. It's easy to change the fuel filter. A lot of times you take the filter off and you blow through it and it blows through like a straw. You say, heck with it, I'm I'm going to put that back in. And so you turn the key on and make sure the electric fuel pump inside the tank is going to buzz for you and develop pressure. If not, you're going to crawl underneath the back of the vehicle and you're going to beat the heck out of the bottom of the tank with a rubber mallet. While somebody is cycling the key on, count to three, turn it off. Cycle the key to the on position, not the crank position, the on position and and do that because a lot of times we can jar the fuel pump into operation and then you can decide later whether you want to replace it. So once we get it running, then if we have good vacuum, then we go take it for a test drive, and if the brakes work, then you're home free. At that point, you put it back into service. You get it through emissions. You put it back into service. You keep it close by. You put $8 a year or $12 a year insur- uh, from your insurance company for a towing uh, policy, and, uh, and you drive it. And, and we do that, and a lot of other shops do that all the time, but I can't give you a dollar figure. I can tell you this much. We had a 62 Ford Falcon come in that hadn't run for 20 years. My my, my wife is sitting here next to me, so I'm looking at her, but I'm going to turn up her microphone, too. It's about time you woke up. I know. It and is. You know, if you wouldn't drink all night long, you wouldn't <laughs> sleep until 10 o'clock.
11: Yeah, actually, I've been out working.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Garage sailing is what you yeah, mean. Yeah, sure. But anyway, the 63 Ford Falcon, we put a fuel pump on it. We cleaned the carburetor up with some carb spray. Yeah. We put a battery in it. Put and, new
11: gas in. I think we had to get a new tank because I think the right. tank was leaking. So. And it was leaking
3: gas. It mm-hmm. was rusted out, so we got yeah. a used tank for it. Right. And we put it all together, and we got it to start. Then mm-hmm. we had to do some brake work on it because twenty years. So we got the brake. We had to do a master on it, master right. cylinder. So we got the brakes to work. So today it starts, runs, and stops. Yes. Do you have any idea? And, and and you can't count some of that other work that's gone be above and beyond that. But I'm thinking we were probably into two. To three to 350 range, of battery, yeah yeah yeah, and then a master cylinder and. Uh, Two
11: hundred to three hundred.
3: I'm gonna change that. I'm, you're right. I'm, okay. I'm, I was, because the battery loan's a hundred bucks. Yeah, so, I was gonna say. So you're you're talking let, three to five hundred. Can you live with that? With a fuel pump, a master cylinder, and a battery. And a tank, a used tank. Yeah,
11: see, I, I wanna say it was a little bit more than that because it was an older car too and so we had a little bit trouble finding it. There wasn't a lot of, you know, stuff, so I'm, I would say even a thousand, but.
3: Okay. I don't think it's not, but, but as I added up in my head, uh, I'm going to go north of 500. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and it's a step by step process because we're going to call you about the battery. And then once we get it to crank over, we're going to call you the fuel pump's leaking fuel. And then once we get it, um, then once we know that the tank is leaking, then we're going to call you on that. So it's a, it's an evolution. But, um, if you got the car for, for, for nothing, then if you need a second car or if you can give it to one of the kids or grandkids, that's, that's a handsome thing. But if you're just going to fix it up and then park it in your garage and let it get old again, I'm not quite sure I agree with that.
4: Right, I agree with that also. So, but why isn't she out mowing the lawn like my wife, Mark? She said she was working.
3: You know, um, she, I am. She was she was antiquing this morning at garage sales. No, I was. And I tell you something else. I got to tell you something. <laughs> what? I went. I was. I went over to Larry's to get my battery charger. Yeah, I saw off that big quad. sale,
11: and I didn't even have time to stop because I was too busy.
3: I already did. <laughs> I bought a lawnmower for ten bucks. Oh no. <laughs> yep, that's about the tenth one we've had.
11: Yeah, <laughs> like we need another lawnmower. Yeah, I got.
3: I found one for ten bucks, and and the blade is hitting a piece of metal underneath. I'm sure I can get it running, and it's a nice one. It's a Craftsman. Yeah. Number two, I bought a two X full faced helmet for forty five bucks. You know the helmet I have? Yeah. It just fits too tight. This one is perfect perfect. perfect 2x and it's perfect so all i have to do is have have that guy move my head and my microphone oh i was gonna say
11: you just want to get that so you don't have to listen to me when you're driving right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) no you remember that button on the handlebar that's the one that mutes you when we're driving
11: okay all right anyway
3: good luck to you mike thank you very much All right, you betcha. Daniel, you and Joe, stay right there. We're going to take a quick break now that my wife has interrupted the boys' cave time. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, and we're going to get you. We've got two lines are open, too, as well, 602 508 For Renee and Mark Salem, we'll be back right after this. If you listen to this radio station for 24 hours straight, you'd hear about
0: a quarter of a million words. And thousands of those words every day come from listeners like you. No one values your opinion more than we do. And when you support our advertisers, you turn words into actions. We know you're not always going to agree with us, but we wouldn't be here without you. So we thank you for listening and supporting our advertisers. 960 The Patriot, a Salem Media Group station.
7: And I wrote this message.
5: Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your flap. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. I
11: love bunnies.
5: Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head?
0: Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun, two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit twomin2x.org. That's twomin2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Captain Eric Lawrence was training Afghan soldiers when his truck was hit by an IED. I was on the way from
6: Kandahar to Klot, uh, hit an IED that just took the truck and threw it up in the air and slammed it on the ground. I knew at first that I, I got hurt pretty bad because I couldn't move my legs. I sat home alone for months. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to go back to work. I was hesitant at first, you know, because I didn't work for a good year. I want to be a productive person. I don't want to be a drain on society. I want to be a positive thing in society. PVA helped me write my resume, got me a job interview. I got the
0: job. Helping veterans like Eric is what we've done for over 65 years. Paralyzed Veterans of America, paving access for veterans' employment through Operation PAVE. For more information, visit PVA.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America.
3: Welcome back, everybody. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Airpark Auto Service. Nadine and Stacy opened Air Park Auto Service in 1985. They're on Raintree, just east of Hayden, in the northeast northeast corner of Scottsdale. Stacy passed away, but Nadine has always been the owner and operator since the very beginning and continues to be there. They've been on my best car repair shops list for years and years. They're a state-of-the-art clean and green facility. They have the diagnostic tools. They service most, most makes and models of vehicles and small trucks. And if they're if your vehicle if they're not the best person for your vehicle they'll let you know and that's pretty admirable, so if you live in North Scottsdale area and you don't have a garage may I suggest Air Park Auto Service at Rain Tree on Rain Tree just east of Hayden, uh, Daniel. Good morning. Um, thank you for holding. How can we help you?
4: Good morning, Noah, Mark. I wanted to ask you. I have an '08 Dodge Dakota pickup, and on I think I'm probably going to need new brake drums. Now, if I buy them, do they need to be turned? When they're put on the truck with new brakes, rear
3: brakes. You know that you're gonna half of the guys are gonna say yes, and half of the guys are gonna say no. And I'm gonna tell you this: I would wash them with soap and water. I wouldn't okay. put them on with all the preservatives on there. If you have a pressure washer, it's even better with a little soap. I'd put them on. They're not that hard to take off. And and if you go drive it. And you apply the brakes, and it has a nice, smooth, gradual stop, and there's no vibration associated with it, and all you did is the rear brakes, and then you did your test drive, then then you're fine. The downside is is that if you have a little bit of a vibration, then you got to take the tires off and the drums off and go have them turned. But in reality, most of the time you don't. Now, one more thing. This drum brake, you know how it slides over the studs and hits the flange, the axle flange? Yes. Okay, make doggone sure you clean up the axle flange, and here's why. A lot of times there's lots of trash in the brakes, and so when you slide the old drum off, we contaminate the axle flange, axle flange, so when we put the drum on it, th- we don't have a flat-to-flat flat, uh, mating, so we've okay. got dirt and grease and grime in between the drum and the axle flange, and that'll cause... Um, you'd think the drums are warped, so you'll cut them until you you don't have any drum left, and in reality, all you did is crush a bunch of trash in between the drum and the hub. Okay?
4: okay that makes sense. Uh, if I haven't changed them yet, but I've, I noticed that there is some vibration, you know, uh, when you're breaking the stuff now, so it's a good possibility. I mean, um, the, the drums are probably to the level where they're probably going to need needing to be replaced.
3: Well, let's possible, let's or? let's talk about that. You have drum on the rear and disc on the front?
4: Correct.
3: Okay. W- when you apply the brakes, is the vibration in the seat of your pants or is it in your steering wheel?
4: I feel it more in the seat of my pants because I had the front brakes done okay. um, about a year ago.
3: Okay. Well, it, it, that wouldn't make any difference to me because you can still overheat a rotor and warp one and stuff. But okay. if it's in the seat of your pants and it only happens when you're braking, and if the harder you push the brake, the bigger and badder the vibration is, then I agree. You've probably got a warped drum. Um, or something like that, but if you're going to put two new drums on there, that still doesn't mean you have to turn the new ones. You're throwing sure. the old ones away anyway. And on one other thing, when you pull the drum off there, get your garden hose out and rinse off the drum inside and out and rinse off all the brakes, and hence you're going to be washing all that asbestos away, and so you're not going to be breathing it. So you wet it down good and nothing. there's nothing on your brake system that water will hurt. Okay? Okay, great. Thank you, Mark. You betcha. Joe, you're up next. Joe, how can I help you today?
2: Yeah, I had that uh, 2004 Volkswagen with the vibration in it a couple weeks ago. And uh-huh. uh, I, w- I went and I did the test that you uh, mentioned about shifting from far uh, okay. forward, reverse. And uh, it's still, it still, it seemed like it's uh, I could not detect any change in the vibration.
3: Okay. Okay. All right. So I'll just cover it real quick. You have a vibration that you can probably feel in the steering wheel. You can see on the dashboard and it's predominantly there when you're sitting still, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So I had you start the car up and I had you close your eyes. My son, remember when Alan made fun of me of this? (laughs) And I said, you know, close your eyes and and then you're going to go from park to reverse and Pay attention to the vibration, then neutral, then drive, then neutral, then reverse, and then park, and I had you move up and down the shift, and nothing changed, right?
2: Yeah, I couldn't detect one shifting. Okay. I couldn't detect any change um, in the vibration.
3: Okay, and and that's okay. That's okay, because I can tell you, no matter what you do for a living, if if it would have changed, you would have known it. It's it's just as obvious as all get out. It, it you would have known that. So the next question is I want you to do is is I want you to get it to where it's vibrating bad and it's probably gonna be in drive or reverse, one of the other the load capabilities, and I want you to just give it a tad idle and and answer this question. Will one or two hundred RPM make the vibration go away? Now last but not least, um this kind of a would you sit in my car and let me show you the vibration and talk to me about it most shops this is a twenty five thirty five forty five dollar deal if they charge you most of us, if you're our customers, that twenty minute sit and talk to you kind of thing as long as you don 't abuse abuse it and we 're still there an hour and a half later but if you if you just you know point out what you got and ask us if we if we can you know at least get close to the diagnosis, then most of us will do that. Do you have a repair shop that you've used before and you like
2: ah uh, yeah, I do
3: okay uh you know not on Monday morning or Friday night for obvious reasons, but i uh, you could stop by and, and and just learn how to make it happen as good as you can and stop by and just say, "Hey, hey, Joe, how are you? I got this vibration." Would it be too much to ask if you could assign one of your techs just for a few minutes? I promise I won't take him around the block or kidnap him for an hour. Just have him come out and I can demonstrate it. Now, another good tr- uh, idea is the transmission shops, and they're really good at vibrations. Tranny guys are always, been the best when it comes to vibration. Um, what part of town do you live in?
2: Um, I'm in uh, north Scottsdale. Okay. By the air park.
3: Okay. Um, I don't have a transmission shop up there to send you to. I'm sure there's some up there, but I just don't have one I would refer you to. So you could stop if you wanted to. You could stop by Air Park or your regular shop. Either one. Okay.
2: All uh, right. Do you have time for another one? Another question? Yeah,
3: real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: 2001 Silverado. The ABS light comes on and off, and the brake light, the red brake light, and the amber okay. ABS light. It. It All right. uh, I'll drive it for a little while, and then they'll
3: come. They'll both come on. Okay, you you, you have to you have to understand that this is a serious problem. It's not that the amber or the yellow ABS light is on because your owner's manual and every other owner's manual in the world says that orange means caution, orange means continue, orange means you know just have it addressed whenever you can. So if you're on your way back from Los Angeles and you get an orange light, just go on home and take it into the shop the next day contrary to what the the uh, there was a case not too long ago at the Attorney General's office where they claimed that a car had to be stopped and towed in for a, a check engine light which is amber and nothing is further from the truth than that statement right there. So, But I am worried about the red brake light. Red okay. means stop. Red means your life's in danger. So I'm worried about the red one. I don't care about the ABS. You probably got a bad wheel sensor on that that uh, silver out of that old one that's 16 years old. And and we plug in our scanner and we go drive your car in tight circles and somebody sits on the passenger side and I drive the car and and I'm going fast and slow, hard turn, right turn. We go to a shopping mall and just do circles and pretty soon we're going to figure out which sensor's bad. But you need to have that addressed. And, And the red brake light could be a fluid issue, it could be a pressure issue, or it could be a master cylinder issue. So you'll have to be on your toes to diagnose that, and don't buy a mat, an ABS module for $2,000 because your neighbor said that's what it is because that's a bad idea.
11: He should have but, a code in there, right? Yes, Yeah. yeah. he'll
3: have a code in there. On, on both of those, you'll have a code. Yeah.
11: So, oh, okay. And the code if will the just fluid, tell you approximately
3: fluid, where it's at. Yeah,
2: the fluid uh, is full, so I checked that.
3: Yeah, then it's got to be something else. So. Well, but but how many times have we seen the float bad in yeah. the master cylinder? Yeah, that could be it. You know, so we, we have to look at everything, and we have to manipulate the float or the design of the master to make certain sure that what it's telling the computer and the dashboard is true. So sometimes we literally would take you know a, a pocket knife and scrape the metal contacts, and all of a sudden everything starts working because the yellow con- or the contacts were covered with boogers. So you just scrape it off, and you're all done so i'm sorry i wanted to create a mental that was way too visual okay Okay. all right (laughs) anyway thank you very much joe let's see who's next here uh jerry jerry you're up next how can i help you
4: yeah hi can you hear me
9: yes sir
3: i can
4: okay hey uh first time caller look uh i'm calling in response to the uh previous guy that was starting the old car Uh, i'm a little concerned i have an old camaro that i haven't started in a long time and uh Uh, I'm a little concerned that maybe we need to coat the cylinder walls or do something to get uh, the crank oiled back up. I had a mechanic tell me one time you could do more uh, damage in 10 seconds than you'd do in 20,000 miles if you just try to cold start something. Do you have any suggestions there?
9: Well,
3: I don't agree with what you were told. Um, Can you turn down your radio in the background? It's it's not on. I'm sorry. I'm
4: I'm sitting in the parking lot at Home Depot, maybe.
3: Uh, okay all righty no problem um let's let's talk about this from a pragmatic point of view you don't really think that your car your camaro is going to pop within the first rah, rah, boom okay it's not we're going to have to fry, prime the fuel system we're going to have to exercise the motor with the starter and i promise you that within the first three seconds of cranking providing that you have oil in the car we're going to start squirting oil all over those cylinders and 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 I know your car isn't going to start until we've cranked it over for 60 seconds over, you know, two or three hours. So it's yeah. going to be a, a situation where it's going to be 15 seconds here, 30 seconds here, or whatever. But you you have nothing to worry about. I don't know where that came from. We've always had instant oil pressure when you hit the key. And we know that we are going to crank these older cars over a lot. So if the customer insists, we'll pull all the spark plugs out of it and squirt some oil in there, but you run a risk of doing that, of hydraulic in the cylinder and bending the rods. So you better know how much is too much. But my suggestion to you is pull the coil wire uh, on your, uh, you said it was an old Camaro, pull the coil wire on the Camaro and just crank it over to the count of 10 and then walk away. Go uh have your wife get your beer, come back, crank it over to the count of ten, and do that three, four, five times, and I assure you if it's got oil in it, that you'll have the oils the cylinders um oiled down pretty good. So you're talking
4: about
11: a five beer process here, right?
3: Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you caught me there. Because
11: <laughs> his wife's not bringing him a beer, so he's got to wait a oh, while. Oh, <laughs> okay,
3: okay. All right, fair enough. Whatever the Thanks, situation man. is, um, it's not It's not that bad, you know that. But thank you for making us laugh. Thank you. All righty, let's go to uh, Harold. Harold, you're up next. How can I help you?
5: Yeah, Mark, uh, my question relates to two of your favorite products, the Ford uh, Explorer and the Ford F-150. Uh, Both products have been getting very bad press this week. The Explorer problem apparently relates to exhaust getting into the cabin. Some policemen are not using Explorers anymore, and now some civilians have come forward saying they've got the same problem. Then I heard yesterday there's an over-million vehicle recall on Ford F-150 trucks, because you think the doors are closed and latched, but they're apparently sometimes are not. And there is apparently some kind of a fix for that. But I wondered if you could comment on that.
3: Okay, I can, but it's going to take longer than the time I have. So I'm going to I'm going to say goodbye to you. Thank you for bringing that up. But on the other top, at the top of the hour, because I'm up against some time frame here, I'm going to comment on both of those and tell you what I know and tell you what I think. Real quick, though, I want to cover something I needed to do a little while ago, and that's Thompson's Auto Repair and Towing in Mesa. Thompson's has been around, the name Thompson's has been around fixing cars in Mesa for probably 30 or 40 years. They've been providing expert auto and light truck repair maintenance services. They have ASC certified technicians. They're going to do a good job, and only you only have to meet Brian and Thelma, husband and wife, who run Thompson's, to know that they are the nicest, kindest salt of the earth people you've ever met. They really, really do um, go the extra step for their their customers. So they're on Main Street, just east of Stapley, on the south side of the road. Main and Stapley, just east, on the south side of the road thompson's auto repair if you don't have an auto repair shop and you live in that general area or anywhere in mesa because he's the only one in mesa that i put my name next to then thompson's auto auto repair thompson's auto repair and Tony would be a good place to go my name is mark salem the phone number is 602-508-0960 when we come back we're going to talk about the ford explorer and the f-150 and some of the recalls and uh, what mark thinks about all of that we'll be back right after this